is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Pam McKinnon, and we talk about it all from the early days through finding her way in the industry and what the future looks like for her. This is such a wide-ranging conversation, and Pam is so generous with her deep-dive self-look and sharing it in such an articulate way. I think there's definitely takeaways for everyone listening to this episode. So I hope you enjoy this conversation I had with Pam McKinnon. Keep on keeping on. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Pam McKinnon. Pam, thank you for joining me today. Very happy to be here. I want to just take it back to the beginning of time for Pam. What were your theater dreams growing up? Um, my theater dreams. Uh, I uh, was an avid uh, like puppeteer as a kid. And I loved, I loved story. I loved, you know, I also, you know, played with like, like dollhouse people and, you know, created scenarios with, yeah. with friends. And so, you know, was, was that kind of, you know, story kid. Um, uh, I grew up in, in, in two cities, um, Toronto, and then um, just outside of Buffalo, New York. And we used to both like, high school drama club, but also my family visit New York City a lot. Yeah. Um, saw a couple really influential uh, Broadway shows with my dad when I was nine. One was completely appropriate for a nine-year-old, The Wiz, <laughs> and the other was not so appropriate. My dad didn't do his due diligence. It was Liz Suedo's The Runaways, and there were kids on that stage, but they were runaways. Um, and they, and, and that show in particular really opened my eyes to possibility and sort of theater as, uh, you know, sort of like looking through a keyhole and, and learning about other people. And, and that really, yeah, it really took off from there. Um, yeah, I've always been like story and other people. And, 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 and then when I started, you know, working on theater, I found sort of my, my tribe and my kin. So right. I, I came at it that way. Was this highly fostered by your parents in terms of you making the decision to pursue theater or did that come a little bit later for you? Yeah, that came later. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I didn't study theater in college. In fact, I, I was um, getting a PhD in political science at UC San Diego when I dropped out and uh, just sort of, you know, had a had a big epiphany of uh while I was pursuing a PhD of those questions were getting narrower and narrower. You know, you had to have answerable mm. questions yeah. to write a dissertation. And my 23 year old brain was like, I don't care about these small <laughs> questions. I care about the big messy questions that are possibly even unanswerable. And just posing the question is the, is the desire is the craft. Um, and so I, I dropped out. Um, and that was, you know, that was a big career change. That was, that was, that was tumultuous. I mean, better to do it when you're 23 than when you're 43. Uh -huh. um, but uh, yeah, I just sort of realized, oh, when was the last time I was really self-motivated? And it was making theater. I knew that I wasn't a performer and uh, just like decided um, one summer when I was in Madrid, unable to get myself to the union archives to do some research that, oh, I think I'm a theater director. I'm not an academic. 
Was there fear associated with any of that decision to really truly just drop that and move on to something else? Or was it really understanding in your gut and intuitional? Yeah, there, there was fear because I think, especially in the States, we're led to believe, and I had certainly grown up with this, that, you know, it's that kind of thing. If you can be anything else than an artist, do it. Right. We're told that artists never make money. We're told that artists never have families. We're told that artists are like constantly that a, a, a true artist always lives on the fringe. Mm. And, um, you know, if you if you can pursue anything else, you will be much happier than that life of scarcity. And I, I believe that I believed that. And mm. it's just not true. I mean, I'm, I'm a capable person, whether I'm an artist or not. Right. And um, uh, people can do a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I was a good student. I, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I, I was interested in, in political science, it, but I wasn't passionate about it. Right. And that relationship to what you're actually doing to get yourself, you know, out of bed, self-motivated, being a good citizen. I think um, sometimes our country uh, yeah, just sort of denies that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, you're bringing up a really good point. And I want to, I want to, if you're willing to connect these dots into the theater world for yourself, was it, you know, like what I see online is like left college, Desmac got off <laughs> and Bogart and you worked with them. Was it that, or what was that connection into theater for you? Um, I mean, I was, I, I, I was in a graduate program, so I didn't, I didn't leave college, you know, so I was, I was, you know, I was studying, um, out in San Diego and, um, it kind of was, then I worked with Des at the La Jolla Playhouse and I worked with Ann Bogart at San Diego Rep. I, um, I came clean with my advisors at a certain point that I wasn't going to, you know, continue <laughs> pursuing a PhD. Right. And because I still had a student card, I signed out some theater spaces. I directed uh -huh. some some shows and I, I assisted some some great directors that were kind of in the neighborhood um, mm -hmm. and had this great transition year out in La Jolla slash San Diego um, where I assisted both some student directors as well as the directors you mentioned yeah. and um, just started to like, Oh, I think, I think again, like sort of found my tribe, found my kin mm. um, and sort of took off from there and realized, Oh, I don't think I'm a San Diegan. Um, <laughs> so I hopped back to one of my hometowns of Toronto yeah. and um, worked as a stage manager, uh, assisted again, and then hopped to New York um, shortly after that. Was there any, are there any standout moments with mentors from early on in directing that come to mind? Any lessons learned, pieces of advice from any of your mentors? Yeah, I mean, yes, I'm sure. It's, it's more that I felt that it was an accumulation, like mm -hmm. from Anne Bogart to Des Makinoff to Dan Sullivan, three very different directors and sort of hopping through that over a course of many years at a certain point realizing, oh, I'm not taking any one thing necessarily. I'm taking a lot of things that are, that, that are, are, um, that help me like, you know, it's sort of like, like, I, like I, I feel that directing is a conversational art form. Yeah. 
-hmm. I get to be a generalist working with a lot of experts, whether it's with a visual artist, whether it's with actors, whether it's with a writer, um, and working with those assisting, um, apprenticing uh, with three very different directors sort of in their midstream you know, very successful, you know, definitely the generation above me, I recognized, oh, it's really important to find what works for you mm. um, as a director. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, you know, one person's sort of, you know, seemingly laid back, wait for it to happen and sort of, you know, tweak from the outside, another person's use of a more sort of physical, let's build a company, you know, use viewpoints, you know, forward, um, you know, kind of directing another person's like, oh, a dramaturg at, you know, his or her side, uh, you know, and really, you know, dig into character and build out from there or have like a cinematic kind of staging vision. Um, that's that comes from their personality. That's not that's not like a, a way to direct. That's right. them, yeah. um, and I think that's what I learned. And it was sort of like like apprenticing three very different people. Yeah. What did you, what did you take away? What is what would you say is your your method, or does it change based on what piece you're working on? It it it, it, it does change a little bit. I mean, I I I see my primary role as a director is to mine the intent of the author's text in front of me. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I've directed one one brand new musical and uh, it was based on the film Amelie. So I guess collectively we were there to mine the intent of that source material, right. but it's not like there was a text in front of us. And it was, it felt more that my job at that point was to work with my collaborators, composer, lyricist, um, book writer, and almost be another writer. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and, and also for me, that project was, I was, I was the sole woman on that, that core creative team. And I felt that one of my jobs was to make sure that Amelie had as much agency and probably more agency than the movie even gave her. Mm. Um, but that felt very, very important. Sort of the 21st century Amelie. Um, I, I didn't want her to be at such sort of manic pixie girl remove and wanted her humanity at times to be there. And that felt, you know, it felt both, um, just vital, but also very exciting to be um, part of like the team that is creating what will be the text outside of us. How have you gotten better at communicating your views and, and listening? How has that, you know, grown for you? Yeah. I mean, I think I've, I've always been, um, I try to come into rehearsal very prepared and have, and have, you know, a, a point of view and depending on the show um, have sort of a uh, ready to go kind of toolkit, like whether it's a big staging show, like I did uh, a play uh, very recently, um, Lydia Diamond's Tony Stone. So nine characters on stage, a baseball play. And at times my job was staging. And so coming in with big you know, sort of notions of this person's going to move there at this time, da, 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 that kind of thing for that play was very important. Um, for other, for other shows, um, it's, 
you know, it's more organic. You want, you want George and Martha to feel out space mm-hmm. um, and then gradually edit. I think I've gotten better at um, really confidently uh, being able to say at times, I don't know, but let's find it together. Yeah. And, and, and people recognizing that that's not a scary place to be. And, and, and also like myself recognizing that that's not a scary place to be you, that, you know, you can be honest, you can be transparent, you can use your rehearsal time. I think I'm, I think I'm very good and have gotten better at whether it's a four hour rehearsal process that culminates in a reading in front of 20 people, Mm. or whether it's a 10 week process that culminates, you know, in a Broadway musical opening, Mm. it's using the time we have and not forcing sort of, you know, things ahead of where they should land organically, living in that, you know, unknown or that in process. I think I've gotten better at that. Okay. This is a really powerful statement to become comfortable with. I don't know. And was there a moment in time for you where you had this kind of come to realization of, I don't know is okay. Or a series of events where you've become comfortable with the phrase, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I remember, I remember using it pretty early. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, you know, I I mean, I mean, I think, I think it does go back to, um, this conversational art form, this, um, being comfortable sharing yourself in a room, Mm. um, and, uh, you know, trying to build something as a collective, Mm. um, and, not in like a, you know, it's like, like the, like the great wild or, you know, the great, um, like grapes on a vine outside in like ancient soil versus forcing grapes in a greenhouse. I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, have, have the grapes that, yeah, that we've all sort of like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna let them even in four hours for a reading, we're gonna explore together and, my job to take us back to what is the story we're telling what is the intent let's not get off the track but you know how how we make it should be always as a collective um you know and then having said that sometimes i just have to stage a transition like sometimes I, I force it. Like sometimes it's let's let's see if this works. And you you start by going left and you follow and the order has to wind up being this ready go, mm. um, you know, a real map. And that it but but knowing that even that is just a draft mm-hmm. and we might change it tomorrow. And once we have the the scenes on either side of that transition, we might learn that that transition has to be something else. Mm. Um and yeah, being just, yeah, just like not afraid of leaving the rehearsal hall any given day with unfinished business and knowing that we can return to it. Yeah. That takes a lot of self-confidence, which of course yeah. grows over time, right? It's like, That's right. Know, it's a muscle That's you right. build. But I yeah. wonder, um, taste on choosing pieces that you work on or just your general taste in what you like to direct or work on. How has that, how has that blossomed for you? Yeah, I like to, I like to work on a multiplicity of things that demand, demand other muscles. Um, I'm, 
was was hoping to direct, you know, a big a big Shakespeare uh, play, you know, and 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 you know, and and no, no, I will, um, you know, now that now that I'm artistic director at, at you know ACT American Conservatory Theater, um, so that would be you know, super exciting and, you know, and producers other than me don't think of me that way. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it comes down to character. It comes down to, you know, world of play. So I'm more than, more than ready to do that. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculously. So, I mean, you know, I think, I think, I think we, as, as artists, like, you know, um, actors, actors aren't the only ones in the field to get typecast. And directors certainly get typecast yeah. of like, oh, Pam McKinnon, she does plays with sofas, um, you know, and and sure, love them. I love a good living room play. Yeah. And I love I love other other types of story as well um, that that can sort of, you know, explode, explode that genre. Mm. Um, and I really yeah, I really love to go to go back and forth. I mean, I I, I do though also recognize that I remember I remember reading oh probably now like 20 years ago um Ilya Kazan's memoir and when he first um uh uh took the reins of um the brand new Lincoln Center Theater mm. in New York um he decided that he wanted to direct a Greek a Greek tragedy mm. had never done that you know, like obviously the themes of, 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 you know, of even like streetcar named desire, you know, they're, they can be big. Right. Oh, yeah. And so, but he wanted to go back to the source. And he, in this memoir said that like day two of his rehearsal process, he realized, Oh, I'm actually not the director for this project. Like I, like this is, this is just not, not where I belong. Right. And, um, you know, I think as an artistic director, that some of uh, some of my job is to make sure that I set I set myself and the organization up for success. And it's not about like repeating what I do well. It is definitely about stretching what I can do, but also recognizing that some of the fun is 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 hiring different directors to direct things I'm really passionate about, but actually they're they're the person to do it. Mm. Um, and that's definitely something that I'm finding really, really rewarding of like, I would rather have almost like an audience producer relationship to some things that I, I bring in, you know, a different director to do the day to day. Um, mm. And because I'm, because I, because I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the person to do everything. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's, and you know, I'm still, I'm still figuring out exactly what that means. It's, it's, it's that thing of, I kind of, I kind of know it in reading it. I know it when I see it Yeah. as opposed to like defining, I only do this or I can't possibly do that. It's more, is there a personal deeply kind of immediate personal call when I read something of like, Oh, I really want to live with this for, three months to a year and pour myself in into actualizing this you've been listening to entertainment x the podcast you can follow entertainment x on instagram at underscore entertainment x underscore if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast 
Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 